This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You know who I can do without? I can do without. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Feed with Mike and Mark. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mike. How you doing, Mike? Not too bad. How about you? Good. We've had a good week here at Massive Late Fee again. Now I can announce, since it is official, we are now part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. That is our new company split off from Michigan Sports and Entertainment. Everything's going to stay the same, basically, although you can go to BigHeadsMedia.com to see our podcast and several other great podcasts over there as well. So, the news this week, Mike. Few items I found in the news that I thought might be somewhat interesting. I know you're not a huge fan of, although I, actually I don't know how you feel about this movie. I know you're not a huge fan of one of the stars, but Dan Aykroyd says that he has written a Ghostbusters high school prequel, which is set in 1969. Now, I don't know if you saw, what's his name, uh, Reitman's kid did uh, did a trailer for a Ghostbusters remake that he wants to do with the people from Stranger Things, the kids, the, well... I think some of the kids from Stranger Things are going to be in it. I, I don't know exactly if they've cast everything yet. But it seems to be now they did a remake of the Ghostbusters and everyone wants to do a remake of the Ghostbusters. But Dan Arkard says he has the script written. It's set when they're all in high school in 1969. And no one else is attached to it, basically. I don't, I don't think anybody would want to see that movie. First of all, I don't understand why he wrote it, one. Well, well, I think he has a habit of writing Ghostbusters scripts, because he wrote a uh, sequel called Ghostbusters Go to Hell or something like that, which I don't know if that became the second Ghostbusters. I'm not a huge Ghostbusters fan. Um, I'm not a big fan of many of the actors uh, involved. I like Ernie Hudson. Uh, I'm not a fan of Dan Aykroyd or uh, Bill Murray. Yeah. The it's funny because the original I can't even imagine what this script looks like because Dan Aykroyd did a movie I, I'm sure you've never seen it called I Love Trouble that starred with Jamie Lee Curtis right no no it was oh um, I thought she was in that Demi Moore huh okay yeah I, I don't know I thought uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was in it maybe it's called something no I think it is called I Love Trouble. Uh, but I, I think I know what you're talking about with Jamie Lee Curtis. It's a, a... Mom and Dad say the universe, I think is what that is. Yeah. This one is a just crazy, insane, weird movie. And the apparently the original script for Ghostbusters that Dan Aykroyd handed in was like four or five hours long and just stuffed with tons of weird things just jumbled ideas and Ivan Reitman and who else Harold Ramis had to basically whittle it down and craft it into an actual filmable script so I can't even imagine what this script looks like but I'm sure yeah. it's insane where's Dan Eckert been up to the last movie I saw him was gross point blank yeah I think he's just been making vodka he's got that crystal okay. head vodka 
Yeah, I think he believes in like that, like aliens and stuff too. I don't know. He's a he's a character. He's got web toes too, so watch out. (laughs) Yeah, he does. You heard it here first. He did a he did an interview one time where he was saying, "Oh, my kids asked me if I believed in ghosts and everything, and I had to be honest with them and say, yeah, I I do. I believe. I believe in ghosts. I believe all this stuff is real." Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the only people who think a Ghostbusters movie is a good idea are like filmmakers who grew up watching the uh, Ghostbusters movie. Like, it's like, oh man, everyone will like this. I mean, it's not like a really huge franchise, you know? Yeah. It's it was... not like people are like begging every year, like, oh, God, are they going to make another Ghostbusters movie? If you like the, the film, which I know you really don't, but if you like the it's movie. It's all right. I mean, I don't hate it. It's just like, eh, it's not the greatest thing I've ever seen. It was like, you know, a, a well-liked summer popcorn movie that came out in 1984. And then five years later, what a lot of people say is kind of a disappointing sequel, although I happen to really like the sequel. Yeah, I think they're equal quality-wise. And then that's it. it was, like you said, it's not some huge franchise. There's not some giant universe to be had. I think the only other people besides, like you said, filmmakers that kind of grew up watching it that have an interest in making all these uh, Ghostbusters remakes and reboots are people that have a financial interest in it because yes. I think it'll be successful, but it it really hasn't been. I mean, I, don't, I think it's just a very limited premise. Like, oh look, there's ghosts. Oh, we caught that one. All right, pro- problem solved. I Exa- mean, exactly. I, I mean, the the one I can't remember what it's called. Uh, a call to action. The one that came out a few years ago that was apparently controversial for some reason because it was an all female cast. Yeah. That one wasn't a bad movie. It was basically the same. It was just like, oh, look, there's a ghost. Oh, we caught the ghost. I mean, it's it, to me, that's not a very interesting premise for a movie. Right. Yeah, it, it's it like you said, it's very limited. But speaking of bad ideas and limited ideas. I feel that they only did the uh, call to action one because they were just like recycling through all the uh, old ideas and expired th- properties. They could, you know, make more profit off of and that just happened to come to the top of the pile. Yep, I agree. Bloomhouse is making an Invisible Man reboot. Will be released in 2020. <laughs> I, is uh is is this part of the the series that uh Tom Cruise started in the Mummy or was that Universal? That yeah, that? I think that was Universal. This so this is completely different. That's weird because I would think Universal they clearly have held out of the rights for a universe uh, for a uh, Invisible Man movie for 50, 60 years because you know everyone wow an Invisible Man that's crazy I mean come on <laughs> the and that's that's kind of my point is that the Universal M- movie monsters franchise failed miserably they wanted to make a cinematic universe out of all the the movie monsters. Yeah, but all those monsters are lame. I mean, none of them are terrifying in any way. Oh, no, the creatures in the Black Lagoon. Exactly. Oh, look, we have lights that can light up the uh, water. We'll just shoot it with our spear gun. It's a wolf man in the the worst-looking outfit that you could ever imagine. Great. I I bet the next one's going to be a goddamn ghost. (laughs) Yeah, this, this looks horrible. It's a horrible idea. I don't know why they... It just... It continues the theme of Hollywood not understanding what people want to watch and just making horrible decisions. I really don't understand. I mean, is it just, it's more obviously going to be profitable and they don't have to pay like a, a writer really to, you know, get the rights to something. I mean, there's plenty of great books out there. I mean, I, I, I have an entire bookshelf just crammed with them and none of them are movies. I mean, 
Yeah. You could, you could, I mean, just adapting something might be what you do from now on instead of, you know, I mean, obviously there's good original screenwriters like uh, John August and those kind of people, but I mean, I, I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I mean, aside from the cheap, quick dollar, I, I just don't get it. I mean, Huckleberry Finn is in the, uh, is in the uh, public domain now. Why don't you just make uh, another movie about that? And uh, you could reverse the the races, Jim. But that would make a lot of sense when Jim gets called the word he's called. Jim could be a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> he could be one of those. It could be a world where where the white people were slaves or something. I don't know. You could do something. I like would. Uh, I would write that up real quick and fire it off to Hollywood. You probably have a uh, contract in there somewhere. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, the last bit of news that I have today sort of ties in with movies that are coming out. Uh, John Wick Chapter 4. So, spoiler alerts, he doesn't die in Chapter 3. Oh, they, they've already... Uh, this is I'm, Actually, I should probably listen because uh, this is interesting to me. Yeah, John Wick Chapter 4 gets a May 2021 release date. So, Oh, wow. I May, wonder if they already filmed it. I, I imagine that they probably... they pro- I think they probably did. They probably filmed it simultaneously with... Oh, John you know, that's only two years. I forgot what year it was for a second there. <laughs> but yeah, so they there. There's no plot details that have been released yet. Obviously, <laughs> have you seen the John Wick movies? <laughs> but uh, oh man, this uh, weekend, uh, over, I think it was probably because John Wick three came out. Uh-huh. They were playing a John Wick one followed by John Wick two on a continuous loop on the Paramount uh, channel. I don't even know what that used to be. Oh, it was great. I probably watched about four or five hours worth of John Wick. That's awesome. Yeah. I really, I really enjoyed it. The second one is actually better than I remembered it being. So I'll have to watch that one, you know, straight ahead because I was doing other things too. But I, they're they're great action movies. I, I love them. I, like I told my wife, uh, I like that there's not a romantic plot in movies because that often ruins action movies for me. I mean, it's just like, obviously, they're, this is just like, it's just purely happy with what it is. It's just pure action. Yep. And what I like about one of the things I like about the John Wick movies, and I haven't seen the third one yet. I, I want to see that soon. Yeah, I haven't either. I'd like to though. But one of the things I like about the John Wick movies is that the directors clearly know how to shoot action. That's one of the things that, and and I think I've, I'm sure I've talked about this before. And obviously, Ke- Keanu Reeves is willing to learn fight choreography, or already knows a good deal of fight choreography from his other movies. Because the fight choreography and the way that the movies are shot, you can tell that they put in a lot of work into it and it really shows on screen. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly an experienced, you know, action movie uh, veteran by this point. But I mean, I mean, it's it's it. What I like about them is it, at least, in, you know, the ones I've seen so far, everything looks pretty plausible. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the idea that he's such a great shot that he can just shoot people in the head every single time is a little far fetched. But I mean. It's not like he's like you know like like uh, one thing I didn't like about the Kingsman part two is like they kind of had stretched like the laws of physics a bit in the first one, mm-hmm. but the second one was just completely ridiculous. Like I mean, it's, it just made no sense for the most part, and I, I don't care for that one much at all. Yeah, the set the second Kingsman movie I think is pretty bad. I, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I mean, there's some fun parts, but it's just like okay, this is just kind of like on the point on the verge of being campy at this point. I mean, the first one was a really like I think like a sleeper action movie. I didn't really I, I saw like the preview and it didn't look I mean it didn't look interesting to me at all. It looked really dumb from the preview. Mm-hmm. But when I actually watched it, I mean, it's a really like there's a really a couple of really good car chases. You know, there's obviously like 
a lot of nice action sequences and entry. It, it's it's a surprisingly good movie. Yeah, I liked the first one a lot too. The second one just was a disappointment to me. This one fucking sucks. <laughs> but uh, that's all the news I have today. Did I did I miss anything? Did you see anything in the news? Because I've been super busy. Yeah, same here. So we will move on to educating Mike. Um, the reason I picked the movie that I picked this week for educating Mike is because. I've heard some people complain about Game of Thrones, the last episode, which we will be talking about. Obviously, you've read the title. And uh, I've heard some people say that it put them to sleep, the last episode. So I chose to, for Educating Mike, Leonard Part 6, starring Bill Cosby. Oh, that's a a bad tie-in. The king of putting people to sleep. So here is the... uh, Here's the plot to Leonard Part 6. Uh, Bill Cosby plays Leonard Parker, a CIA spy turned restaurateur. Oh, no. Which is quite a career move. By the way, Leonard Part 6 uh, name checked in the Weasel Face song Cosby Fight, as we all know. That's right. Absolutely. Shout out to, to Weasel Face. Uh, according, according to the opening sequence of the movie, the title refers to the idea that this film is actually the sixth installment of a series of films featuring the adventures of Leonard as parts one through five were locked up in the interests of world security. In, actual- in actuality, there are no preceding films to this one. Okay. <laughs> the theatrical release poster points out that Leonard Parker is, at the time of his reluctant return to action, coping with domestic issues. So, I wonder if it's all the rape that's part of the domestic issues. Such an elaborate concept for a movie that's like a dumb Bill Cosby movie. Let's see, it says, His daughter is engaged to a man old enough to be his father. His father, damn. His estranged wife behaves like she is younger than their daughter. And now his government has asked him to save the world. Period. Again. Not I, saw dot, dot, dot. I, I saw Just, that again wake up in the morning and stretch. That's how far off I saw that one coming. Seriously. <laughs> the film starts with Parker being called out of his retirement by the CIA director Snyderburn <laughs> to save the world from an evil vegetarian, Medusa Johnson, who brainwashes animals to kill people. <laughs> Yeah, we should uh, we should start a petition to uh to condemn Bill Cosby before this movie. Yeah, I know the rape stuff is pretty bad. I mean, but I'm also saying Litter Part Six is up there. <laughs> this is the second movie we've done where uh, vegetarianism plays a big role. I don't understand. That doesn't make any sense. Who cares what anyone else eats? I don't. Uh, the film ends with Leonard Infowatch just goes to the film ending. The film ends with, like Le- with Leonard infiltrating Johnson's headquarters in International Tuna Factory, fending off the vegetarians with magic meat he received from a gypsy. Oh no, he's talking about magic meat in a Bill Cosby movie? Freeing the captive animals and flooding the base using Alka-Seltzer. He escapes by riding an ostrich across the roof. 
the dumbest fucking movie I've ever heard of in my entire life. The unlikely steed flies him to the ground. God. Oh my god, this movie cost $24 million to make. What? And that was just the roofie budget alone. It grossed $4.6 million. Jeez, I'm surprised. Uh, if, if I saw that movie, as soon as I came out of the theater, I would tell everybody I knew how horrible it was so they could avoid it like the, a, the Ebola virus. Oh, God. So, the parents' guide doesn't have much on Leonard Part 6. I assume they didn't want to watch it. <laughs> but its certification is PG in uh, Canada and I'm assuming the United States because I don't see the United States on here. But what's funny is the only li- the only thing in here is sex and nudity, and it's severe. It says, oh, yeah, there's, there's the United States. PG. A woman strips naked on stage. She then takes a bow, but we only see her back. So does that mean that we only see her back the entire time? And is that severe? I, I mean, maybe for a PG movie. What? I wonder what year this movie came out in, though. 1987. Yeah, uh, maybe I think they actually had they. Yeah, obviously they're using PG, which came out after like the. Uh, wait, it was no no PG thirteen is what I'm thinking of. That yeah. came out after like Gremlins and that kind of stuff. So right, yeah, I I don't know who would I whatever. I mean, it, this I, I don't care about this movie at all. It sounds terrible. Here's some of the user reviews for the movie. <clears throat> Saw them make the film, not fun. Watched the film, not good. <laughs> The film was oh, was made nearby where I live in 1986. Many residents had to put up with the trailers on the street and generators running into all hours of the evening. We did, however, get to see Cosby shoot a scene. So that was fun. <laughs> Here's another one. Made me never want to eat Jello again. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's hit it where it hurts. <sighs> Betrayal and Redemption. Oh, no. This one just says, Merciful God in Heaven Above. (laughs) Bill Cosby must have lost some kind of bet with Satan to end up making the film as mind-meltingly dreadful as Leonard Part Sticks. I'm still hoping for the, uh, this is the the worst thing he ever did. Oh, God. Let's see. What a dud. Worse than worse. Okay, that's what I meant. Why did Cosby make this? This one's from September of 2008. So I think this is also oh, this bef- be good. before his rapes. Well, it was after the rapes, but before well, yeah, they were coming. Although, what's messed up? I've heard about... Have we discussed the Cosby uh, thing on the show before? I, I don't remember. I don't think so, no. I had heard about that many, many years ago that he had drugged women and, like, you know, had sex with them. And I'm not, like, a comedy insider by any stretch of the imagination. Wow, really? I See, I didn't hear about it until Hannibal Burris started talking about it. Oh, no, I heard about it, like, in the late 90s, early 2000s. I can't remember where, but someone mentioned it. And, like, they, it's it was, like, multiple things, like, I had heard about, you know? I don't know if it was, like, just something I was listening to or what. Wow, yeah. I, that's, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> And when it's it, like the whole, it's like the Brian Singer, like, oh, look at this guy. He has all these young boys over at his uh, pool parties. And then, like, years later, it's like, what? He might have had some weird, inappropriate uh, relationship. Yeah, that one I'd heard about for a while. Just like the the uh, Louis C.K. one and yeah. 
some of the other ones too. Yeah, even now, I don't think the Brian Singer thing is really well known. I mean, it's just like a really weird. Like, I mean, he's I, whatever. I mean, if someone's of consensual age, you know, that's one thing. Yeah. But I mean, it's like supposedly they're like fifteen, six, and I shouldn't say this, but I think with men it is kind of different because I, I don't think I think it's I think it's hard to take advantage of a man sexually. True. I think you're like I mean, especially right. if you're of the same orientation and you have, I mean, in your teens, your appetites are like, you know, you know, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. like, I, I, I doubt you're, and it's not like, you know, Brian Sears, I mean, maybe social pressures or like financial pressures, I guess, you could, you know, kind of, you know, persuade them. But I mean, it doesn't seem like people are being forced to gunpoint to go to this, you know, obviously like grooming kind of like older and younger men type parties. Yeah. Yeah. It's the whole thing is. <laughs> Whole thing's but weird. I, I wasn't there. I don't know. But yeah, it's just it's just so odd that even like like I said, the, the Bilkazi thing I've known about for years, and it's like finally, you know, all these people because I think maybe it was like someone he had, you know, I think oh, I can't remember her name, Janet Janice something. She's like a model. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh man, what is her name? I know. I know. I can picture. I know yeah, exactly. I, who you're talking yeah. Yeah. I don't about. know either. Like, um, or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. 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 It might even. I think you might be exactly right. Like I think maybe she had said something like you know years and years ago about like oh he you know he he did inappropriate you know stuff or that sort of thing or even like Hugh Hefner like he's like turned out to be like I mean yep. like shocker like a big kind of creepy weirdo yeah that doesn't surprise me at all at this point I don't I don't know that I would be shocked by anyone like you know like oh yeah he was you know raping uh, children for years everyone knew that it was an open oh god. I mean, it's just so weird that it's like, like afterwards, everyone's like, oh, I knew. It's like, well, if you know something, maybe you should tell someone or, you know, maybe inform the police. Right. Yeah, that's the thing is so many people that and not even not the not even the women, you know, like I understand why women wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable. Yeah, and men, too. I mean, I may have I may have misspoke a bit earlier. I mean, obviously, I'm not in the same situation. So, I mean, certainly there could it could be, you know. The exact same for all I know. But like people who weren't people who weren't sexually assaulted and weren't involved in the sexual assault that found out about it later, there there are so many of them that didn't come forward, and that one is the one that that kind of boggles my mind a little bit because if you've been sexually assaulted, I mean, there's all sorts of emotions that go along with oh, that. Oh, sure. So I yeah, understand. Yeah, trauma, PTSD, all that. Yeah, so I understand why a lot of those people don't come forward, but the people that you know found out about it secondhand or, or, you know, firsthand or later that didn't come forward. That one kind of, I'm like, why, why wouldn't you tell somebody? Yeah. It's like, uh, among like stand-up comedians, it took them like maybe like five years to out, uh, Carlos Mencia as a joke thief. Right. So like 30 years to uh, say, Oh, uh, by the way, this Cosby guy, I, I guess he's not supposed to be doing this. Right. And there, and there was like all sorts of just bizarre behavior stories about him in general. Like uh, supposedly, like when he was, uh, he did a show at like a, a hotel, a casino or something in that hotel, and like he insisted that everybody watch him eat his food, like not eat with him, but just sit there and watch him. Eat. <laughs> and then again, this is like you know secondhand information. It's like a comedian, you know, mentioned this. And then they said he had to be tucked into bed every night by a casino employee. Oh my god. Like he's like he's just like using his like just like some weird like control power type you know trip he's on. Maybe uh, maybe it was like when uh, in those werewolf movies when the guy knows he's going to turn into a werewolf. Maybe uh, he wanted the casino employee to tuck him in so tight so that he couldn't get out and <laughs> rape people. Well, well, that, <laughs> that's that's an interesting theory. <laughs> uh, 
the last one I have as far as reviews go is just says, what was the cause thinking? <laughs> <laughs> That's the one from 2018. I love how, I love how, how it just, it sounds so hurt. Yeah. What, what was the cause? Like he's so thinking? familiar with him that he calls him the cause. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, a, it's like a woman, like, talking to her husband, like, well, I'm going to watch some of the cause before I go to bed. <laughs> it's like, you know, her, her whole world is, like, you know, around it. Yeah. Or uh, or saying, hey, I'm going to watch Uncle Buck again before I go to bed. <laughs> and we know what happens when you do that. Oh, uh, well, that is Educating Mike for the week. Uh, we will move on to Keeping Current. So, Mike, this is where I'll let everyone know, since I didn't, you know, tell everyone what the show was about or what educating Mike was about at the top of the show. If you don't know, just catch up, I guess. I'm not good at, at filling you in on things. But Keeping Current is where we plumb the depths of the internet for the hottest gossip that we don't understand and we try to figure out what it means. Where are we going today, Mike? Sorry, um, this is kind of hilarious, actually. Okay. Um, so, I was, uh, so, you know, we, we like to uh, explore. Uh, we like to go, you know, everywhere with our gossip. We've mm-hmm. gone to gossip. We've gone to um, the sun, I think it was, like the UK's hottest. And we haven't, we, we still don't know what's going on in, in, in there. Right. Um, so earlier today, I'm like, oh, let's go see what our friends in the north are. Uh, you and I are in Michigan. You know, we're close to Canada. Let's see what the Canadians are saying about their uh, their gossip. Okay. So I go to this website, and it's, I'm like, that's why I, so I, I Google, you know, what's the hottest uh, Canadian gossip website? It's this website called ZachTaylor.ca. Okay. But but the, but the the link is actually to an article talking about how this this it's something called, like Cheater and some some website from Las Vegas bought them, and like the name Cheaters in there, some whatever. So I'm like, okay, and then I look, and they're like, and then like it's like this whole like you know public release, like, oh yeah, we can't wait to expand the brand. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself like, you're a fucking blog you're not gonna exist in like five years right so like so i type in the url it's zach taylor taylor i think dot ca and i look at the article i'm like what the hell is this article even talking about it's like it's all about like people from the jersey shore to begin with and then it, <laughs> wow and then it's like it's and then it's like this guy uh spitzer it's like oh check out spitzer pratt's new song K- kfc might use it and so i'm like okay and i click the link and it's it's a dead link and i look and i see it's from 2011 so Basically, what I said would happen happened within like two months. Like it just ceased to exist in two months. <laughs> oh, poor Zach Taylor. Ca. The shit out of luck. I, I yeah, I don't know. So that was a that was a whirlwind there. Um, but today we're going to go to uh, as we know one of my favorite websites, Yahoo.com. Apparently, they have an entertainment section. Oh, okay. If it's anything like their regular section, it's just going to be complete shit and garbage. <laughs> so let's see what's happening. All right. What's going on in Yahoo Gossip? Yahoo Entertainment, which I guess used to be called Yahoo OMG, but it's not anymore. Oh. Um, Whatever. Good for them for changing that. Yeah, I know. Um, so, okay. The first article ripped from today's headlines. Felicity Huffman's TV son defends her after a guilty plea in college, college admission scandal. I love her with all my heart. Her TV son? What? Felicity Huffman. So what show is she on? Was she I, on no, I don't, Housewives? I don't know. That's like a name I only know. Like I, I, I know that she's married to William H. Macy. Yeah. But 
Beyond that, I, I don't really know who she is. I, I couldn't tell you. I always think it's the girl from the show Felicity, but I think that's a different person. Yeah, that's Carrie Russell. Yes. Uh, so Felicity Huffman, let's see. I think she was on Desperate Housewives. I have no idea who played her son. And I'm guessing really. I'm not gonna I'm guessing I'm not gonna know uh who it is. But um yeah, that's at least one that I that I remember that, that like that I kind of understand because uh you know I know who I know who Felicity Huffman is. I'm aware of the the scandal of getting their their kids into college. I love how his defense is, you know, I love her and everything like that. It's like, yeah, okay, that doesn't that doesn't mean she didn't do it. <laughs> you know, I'm sure she loved her kids and that's why she did it too, but you know, it's still not something that you do. Uh, yes, she was in Desperate Housewives, created by Mark Cherry. Let's see if I can find out who played her son. This is, I, this is going to be, this is going to be too, I'm just going to pick a name at random. Adam Dofer. Egret. Yeah. Adam Egret. Let's see. The first thing on his IMDb is, uh, Jerking guys off underneath the bridge. <laughs> that's weird. That's, that's also the second thing. <laughs> so this dude, uh, at Andrew Do- Dorfer, has been in a million little things. Kevin probably saves the world. One episode, the Santa Clarita Diet, and Agent Carter. Oh, I used to watch Agent Carter actually. I think if it's the nope, different TV show. No, it is the same TV show. Yeah, I used to watch that. That's. Uh, Are you sure? Yeah, what's her name? Haley Atwell stars in it. Anyway, so yeah, that's at least I understand that one. So yeah, some some person is upset that their coworker is being punished for breaking the law. I guess is what that is. Yeah, that's that's hot. That's hot news. I uh, I used to work in our or I used to work at UPS years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a coworker who I won't name. Um, he was kind of like you know, kind of like a doofus. He would like kind of like wander around and like uh, you know, just like go take shits for like an hour and like you know, just do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> yeah. And so like uh, so you know, like one day he like uh, he just wasn't there. He just stopped showing up to work one day. And I guess apparently what happened was he was beating his wife. Oh God. Um, I don't feel bad for him though. No. Oh my god. Beating his wife. I wonder if this is uh kind of connect- connected to our conversation earlier. I wonder if like there is like some, you know, like since there's such a like a weird way to get a job as like an actor or a producer or director that you're just so worried about like offending somebody who might have some weird connection that you don't know about that you just don't want to speak up. Maybe. I mean that's that's possible. They felt I mean, that they would jeopardize their career. I mean, there's still people who work with Roman Polanski, you know? Ugh, yeah, I know. <laughs> they gave him a fucking standing ovation at the Oscars uh, years ago when uh, he won that Oscar. Yeah, Johnny Depp, uh, when he's not uh, beating his wife himself, is, uh, you know, the huge fan of Roman Polanski. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> Go buy another scarf. No kidding. Our uh, next huge story is uh, Apple MacBook Pro 13.3 inches. Oh, that's an ad, actually. (laughs) (laughs) You like that one? 
was wondering where you were going with that. Nice. Yeah. Our next huge story. A lot of ads on that, on that Yahoo. Yes, there are. Brad Pitt and Leo DiCaprio, familiar enough to call him Leo, Apparently. were starstruck by Luke Perry on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood set, is what I assume, but it cuts off after Once Upon a Time. Okay, well, I know all those names. Yeah, I know all those people. We were talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood earlier, and like you said it's coming out soon? I think so, yeah. And as we discussed, I I, I don't know. I haven't really... I, I'm a Quentin Tarantino fan, but I still haven't seen The Hateful Eight. So, so I'm not like a diehard fan. You know, I heard he's, at one point he was attached to like a Star Trek movie. I wouldn't go see that movie. I don't I don't care if, uh, you know, um, Samuel Jackson was uh, the fucking captain of the ship. I'm still not seeing that. Right. If he did a, I mean, if he did a Star Trek movie, it, it would be... It would be so weird. Yeah, he wrote some of the. Yeah, it really would be weird because he's it's he's obviously like concerned with style, whereas like Star Trek is concerned with I don't know like lasers and aliens and like friendship. I don't really understand. I, <laughs> That's their tagline: <laughs> lasers and aliens and friendship. I think there's like whales in one of the episodes, or like a TV or a movie or something. Yeah, there's whales in one. That's part of the so- friendship. I always thought Star Trek was just dumb. The well, look, we're going to travel around and be friends. The Star Trek Care Bear crossover episode was the best one. I mean, why not, why not just uh, send, send probes out? You could send drones at this point. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. You got the future wrong, Gene Hackman. And by Gene Hackman, I mean... <laughs> what's the guy there, Gene Rodman? <laughs> oh, this show's off the rails. <laughs> Sorry, the chance of me saying it, another name other than Hackman after Gene is very low. That's true. Yeah, the great, the great Gene Hackman, brother of Gene Roddenberry, they created it together. Yeah, because they, uh, they're from a different country, so their last name is first. Correct. Oh, my God. Yeah. From Hackville is where they're from. Gene, Gene, Gene Roddenberry. You know, in my defense, I doubt Gene Hackman's very much of a prognosticator of the future either. That's true. I mean, he well, he does. He writes books now. He writes novels. He retired from acting and he writes novels now. I think thrillers. So, yeah, he's probably not predicting. It's not science fiction, so he's probably not trying to predict the future. Is he just sitting around looking angry and confused all the time? I imagine he's got to be. Oh, maybe he's, uh, well, you know, he, I don't. Yeah, I'm not going to even say it. I'm not even going to say that joke because it's an accusation of something that I'm sure he's not guilty of. So I'm not going to say it. We've already committed libel several times. (laughs) or I'm sorry, slander. My apologies. If you're reading the transcript, though, which you don't have, it's libel. Yeah, that's right. Oh, no, I was just going to say maybe he's sitting around beating his wife. (laughs) Him and Sean Connery together. Well, he, he, to be fair, Sean Connery is only an advocate of a good slap. That's true. Not a bad one, because that would be harmful. Right. Just a correcting slap. <laughs> uh, I almost did, uh, as educating Mike today, I almost did The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, that's a really bad movie. Which I, I, I think I saw that with you, yeah. so you should be aware that I've seen this movie. <laughs> we did. We saw that's I was I was looking it up and then I realized we'd seen it together in the theater and I was like, Well, I probably won't do this one then. Yeah, that, that was no that one was pretty bad too. Oh man. 
Our next big story, Jeff Daniels says if Trump is reelected, it will be the, quote, end of democracy. Okay. I don't know about, I don't know about you, but that's terrifying. Uh, the end of democracy? I don't want that to happen. <laughs> here's here's the thing. Um, if anyone's good at predicting a, uh, a, a future tragedy, it's Star of Dumb and Dumber 2, Jeff Daniels. Right. I... Uh... Jeff Daniels is from Michigan. For anyone that doesn't know, he's from. Yeah, Michigan. I do. I do like him personally. I just, yeah. I, um, and you said he, you said the movie. I was thinking about this movie the other day, Escanaba in the in the moonlight. Yeah. You said you saw that and you liked it, right? I believe you saw it with your dad, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I saw it in the theater with my dad a long time ago. And actually, we were in the UP when we saw it. Oh, that's funny. Life. Is Jeff Daniels from the UP though? I thought I, I don't really know where he's from. I know Dave Coulier is from like Sinclair Shore. I think he's from sort of like mid Michigan. But I think he spent a lot of time in the UP when he was a kid. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I, I like. I just don't care for like you know. Why, why would I, I? I would say why would anyone look to an actor for their political opinion? Mm-hmm. But clearly, people do because there's an article about it, and I, <laughs> I don't. I don't understand it. I mean, it makes I, no sense. I like Jeff Daniels, and I won't say how I feel about Trump uh, because we don't really get into politics on this show. I will say, however. That whether you like Trump or you don't like Trump, in point of fact, if he won an election legitimately, then that's not the death of democracy. It's actually democracy in action. You just live in a country of people that largely disagree or that more than not disagree with you, apparently, and you don't like that. So, I mean, that's to me, that's not the death of democracy. Were he to win a a legitimate election that's sort of how democracy is supposed to work that's uh, exactly how it's supposed to work so so i don't i don't really get i understand all the words in that headline but i don't really get the sentiment behind it i mean basically just come out and say you know the headline could just be jeff daniels thinks that donald trump is an ass or whatever yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a quote. He probably, I guess, he, he, I didn't read the context. I mean, I, I like Jeff Daniels. He seems like a smart guy. I don't think he's like an idiot. But I mean, uh, a lot of these actors, I mean, they're people who drop out of high school and just like go to acting school. I mean, how, how much fucking current events are you studying in uh, acting school? True. That's true. I'm going to do my meaning now, and then I have to go to uh, world affairs afterwards. So I'll be right. <laughs> it's the civics. Uh requirement for your for your Juilliard Academy school. And then I'm going to take calculus real quick, but that's easy for me, so it won't take long. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, I think I think Jeff Daniels is a smart guy. I think he's probably decently well-read, but I don't... While I may or may not agree with his opinion on Donald Trump, I don't... I don't really agree with the idea that were he to be legitimately reelected, democ- it would be the end of democracy. Spoken like a true liberal. Our next story <laughs> is uh, internet star Grumpy Cat dies at age of seven. Oh no, Grumpy Cat's dead. Uh, I yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen. I think I've seen the memes. It's the cat that looks sad, yeah, like looks, mad. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So hey, that, that's upsetting, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, I like cats, and uh, I don't want them to die ever. I want them to live forever. <laughs> but uh, obviously, that's not the reality we live in. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. it's not a fairy tale. Yahoo must really hit our demographic, because I have not really had to look anything up in this. 
Yeah, maybe maybe this is the right site for us. Maybe we are in fact current here. Yeah, and that's maybe when it, back when it was OMG, we wouldn't have known what was going on. But now we do. They've gotten serious, yeah, even though the reporting legit. I'm sure sucks. Our next story: Meet the ex rocker that made Grumpy Cat the rock star of the cat world. <laughs> it's a related Grumpy Cat story. They're they're really on top of this uh, Grumpy Cat story. <laughs> oh my god! The what rocker made Grumpy Cat? What did you say? The the top of the rock the, star world. The rock star of the cat world. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm kind of curious about this myself. I'm gonna I'm gonna click and see if they actually give us an answer. It's probably gonna be something dumb. It's gonna be like someone who you've never heard of that they. Well, they are a professional mu- musician technically, so they're a rock. Right. Or it'll be like in you know, like a adult movies where everyone's like a star. Like they're not all porn stars, right? Where are the porn character actors? It's like, oh, did you, did you see him play a plumber? Man, right. he lost in the role. He he won an Avian Award. That's right. All right, I was one hundred percent right. Uh, the rock star is. Tell me, have you heard, have you heard of Ben Lashes, ex frontman of the Seattle pop punk band The Lashes? No, I've never heard of Ben Lashes or The Lashes. Yeah, that's exactly uh, what it is. Oh, I guess he left the music world to become a full-time professional meme manager. Oh, so he must have... So this rock star must have had a really hot career going uh, and just decided that his passion was more in memes. Yeah. God. Yeah, that's all I, that's all I have. I'm pretty much sick of... Uh the world at this point so uh we can move on okay I'll, I'll just give you ben lash's filmography real quick he has one credit as self lil bub and friends with a z which apparently is a oh. documentary made in 2013 do you know who lil bub is no it's another cat it's a cat that sticks his tongue out <laughs> This guy quit his huge, successful rock band <laughs> to star in and manage movies about cats. I'm gonna pass out. And I'm sorry, the only person that ever worked for was Andrew Lloyd Webber. It's a kid. Oh, he's got a soundtrack credit on Grumpy Cat's Worst Christmas Ever, which I guess was a TV movie. Is it a Lashes song? He wrote the or is it just in solo? He wrote the song Ain't No Sonnet. Apparently, it's a, it's a solo effort. <laughs> Distinct from the band. Oh, Matt, Mark, you got uh, you got to Twitter this guy. And just, <laughs> the only question you ask is, how do you survive? Yeah. Oh, yeah, this will be my next. Uh, we'll try to get him on to talk to him. I see the, I see the. I see the poster now for Little Bub and Friends. Yep, yep. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. I just... Do you think uh, people like uh, call him up with like hot tips about cats? Maybe. You should check the ears out of this one. It's gold. The, the guy that wrote and directed Little Bub and Friends, his name is Andy Capper. And uh, I went to his IMDb. Most people have, you know, a, a nice little headshot or picture of themselves. He has a terrifying self-portrait. It's of, of it, course he does. What, what do you expect? It's a picture of of the portrait, you know, on the easel, 
and it it's just a it's his face in somewhat detail with a giant red smile and no nose. Uh, it's one of the most weird. disturbing things I've ever seen in my life. You just know he's balls deep in little bub at that moment too. Oh, <laughs> Again, oh, continue our uh, our earlier theme. Just kidding. Right. We no we, slander intended here. No, we we're not. We're certainly not insinuating that Andy Capper uh, commits bestiality while getting his portrait done. Oh God, with that giant red smile. Seriously, it looks like a serial killer drew a picture of another serial killer. <laughs> it's just serial killers all the way down from here. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So, the main topic of today is, to speak of serial killers, is Game of Thrones. The final episode of the uh, epic TV show from HBO. Oh, before we do this. Before we do this. Oh my god. I just looked at the Andy Capper picture. (laughs) Seriously? You're not wrong. Why would you do that? I have no idea. And that's that's his face to the world on IMDb. Also, it's Andy Capper and then parentheses two. So he's a junior. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's... What the fuck? No idea. Oh, Before we get to the main topic tonight, though, uh, we have a promo to play. We will be doing promos every week for uh, shows from here on out. I mean, we Andy Capper and Friends coming to the uh, network soon. <laughs> right. Oh god. It would ju- it's it'll just be cat meowing noises and uh him panting hard the entire time into the microphone. <laughs> uh allegedly. That's so little after all, bub. Uh, this promo is for one of the uh, the premiere shows on the network, Boar Meets World, which looks at the TGIF 90s television show, Boy Meets World. This is this is one I, I personally listen to all the time. I, I think that Kyle and Steve are hilarious. They do a really good job. So listen to Boar Meets World. I'm Kyle. This is Steven. Together we host a show called Boar Meets World. Tell them what we cover on Boy Meets World. Boy Meets World, but that's not all, is it? No. Now we cover life experiences. Ours. Oh, son of a. <laughs> all right, just check out the show, please. We really, <laughs> we really need it. Okay, we need a win. Just check us out. We talk about the show Boy Meets World. Each episode of our show, we run parallel for an episode of Boy Meets World where we will examine the show. That's way too much. What happens. You know, our life, how it relates to it, experiences. I can't believe you're still recording. I am recording this. <laughs> Check it out, guys. You'll get some hilarious stories from me and Steven from our childhood. You'll get a great... <laughs> ah, I lost it. Okay, that was Boar Meets World. And now on to the main topic for today. We are finishing up with Game of Thrones. The final episode appeared and... Probably will disappear. No, the final episode came out. We both watched it. You know what this is. It's Game of Thrones. You you know you know what it is. Mike, what did you think of the final episode of Game of Thrones? 
See, I know there was a lot of uh, backlash, but I I was satisfied with it. I just felt like it, like the rest of the season, which I've been talking about the entire time we've been covering this, is it's just too rough. Yeah, the final episode definitely felt rushed. That's the one complaint I have about the episode. The person who got the throne, I thought was was a good pick. Uh, Bran, you could say Bran because okay. it's everyone's has seen this. If not, if you, if you haven't seen it, why are you listening to this? Exactly. Yeah. So Bran getting the throne, I thought that was a good pick. Tyrion's fate, I thought was was good and and fitting to be the the hand of the king. And you know, as he said, sort of fix some of the mistakes that you know he's made over the years. I thought that I loved that. What's his? I can't think. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. But is it Bran? Uh, the Bron? yeah, I, I loved that he was there at the end as part of the the little cabinet there, you know, and the the uh, well, master yeah, of coin. A, that actually doesn't really make sense that much because he's the Lord of Highgarden, but that's mm-hmm. only if they uh, deposed, you know, uh, Cersei, which I guess technically they did, but it's not like Daenerys ruled and was able to give him that title. So I mean, I guess somehow they just went through with it for yeah. no reason. Yeah, I know. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but I love that I love that character and I love that that he was there and talking about yeah, the yeah, yeah, I have a lot that to, needs to be rebuilt and stuff. I have a lot to say about the uh the end part, which we'll get to eventually. But yeah, I so I, I liked Tyrion's Tyrion's final, you know, bit. I liked uh I thought I thought what happened to Jon Snow was fitting. You know, I thought I liked a lot of the parts of it. The the only thing I didn't really love about it was the rushed rushed nature of it, and I didn't really love kind of going back to what we were talking about last episode. I didn't really love Daenerys's death. That was the big. That one is the big thing to me that I was like, eh, it just doesn't feel quite right. Like how, yeah, how they did it. again, it it was it was the rushing of it. Um, I yeah. actually like read a spoiler ahead of time that was actually basically. Almost, it was like seventy five percent right. So I was like, okay, I kind of, I, so I initially thought like you know Arya would probably kill her, maybe with someone else's face, like maybe she would kill Grey Worm and then go, mm-hmm. or her rather. Let's start the very beginning of this is like basically they're uh, John Davos and uh, Tyrion are kind of wandering through the uh, decimated streets of uh, King's Landing. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, they're they're wandering around through there and they're kind of seeing the aftermath of, you know, the battle and everything and, and what's, you know, they kind of see it like it's very, one thing that I liked about the beginning of this is they clearly establish without, you know, hitting you over the head with it or flat out telling you that none of this is over, that none of this is going to be good, that, you know, things are going way bad, even even after all the decimation, because they've got uh, some prisoners there, and apparently Daenerys has ordered for them to be killed, so they're lining them up, and you know they're about to slash their their throats. And John tries to stop them, but uh, obviously that that doesn't work, and um, you know they have to go see Daenerys. Is what uh, what that one dude says? I can't. What's his name again? I can't Grey Worm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because like as we're walking through, you can tell Tyrion, you know, combined with last episode, he he's already obviously like aware that he made a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. Like he should have, you know, gotten rid of Daenerys or you know 
strongly backed Jon Snow before they even got to King's Landing because he, he's, he's already fully aware that, you know, this should not have happened. Davos really kind of holds his uh, cards closer to the chest. You can't tell exactly what he's feeling. You, he's smart enough not to um, tip his hand, I guess, to continue on the uh, card-playing metaphor. Right. But John is still – and I think they do a really bad job at this. Like, John is still, like, very much in love with Daenerys, which – there's no like love between them. They have sex, but I mean, aside from that, you you don't see them as like a loving, lovely couple. You know, it, it's I I don't know if it's bad writing or bad acting. I mean, I don't think uh, Kit Harrington's an amazing actor, and I don't really think uh, what's her name, Emily, shit Watson. No, that's not it. Yeah, she. What is her name? She was in one of those Star Wars movies, and I didn't think she was that good in that either. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think she's a great act. But I mean, it's it's not great dialogue. I mean, there's really nothing. It's just like it's almost like okay, we put these two characters in the same scene; they have sex, so obviously they're both madly. In love. I think the again, I, I apologize; I don't remember her name. Emily something. Clark. She does Amelia much better. Clark. That's Amelia Clark. That's it. Yep, yep. She, her, I, I would say, she actually is a, does a much better like Daenerys, especially when like uh, John goes into the. Um, okay, I'm sorry, I'm getting out of order again. So they go to speak to Daenerys. Daenerys uh, has a huge speech, and there's a really awesome shot of, like, uh, Drogon, like, flying up behind her, so you see her look like she has, like, uh, dragon wings for a moment. Yeah, that's a great shot. Yeah, that, and, like, you know, John kind of sees it, and, you know, obviously Tyrion's already on board. Like, she, like, you know, has this rousing speech, and in the speech, she immediately says, like, we have to go liberate everyone, including people in Winterfell, which, what? That doesn't make any sense. There's no slaves in Winterfell, so obviously... She's just saying she needs to go kill all the, you know, the royalty or noblemen of all these places. That's basically her ruler has extended from, you know, actual slavers to just someone ruling over somebody else aside from herself. Yep. And but so you know that kind of tips his like John's like Winterfell, you know, that's obviously where his family's from. Um, and then you know John kind of stands there and uh, Tyrion, you know, waits for her to stop speaking. She basically tells him that he's going to be executed, and the guards cease Tyrion. Yep. He throws then, the uh, the the metal the, as the hand. Yeah, yeah, he t- yeah he in pure badassness he takes the pen of the that represents him as the hand of the queen and just like fucking chucks it down the stairs. Yeah, he he's definitely resigned to his fate. He, he knows he'll probably be killed for this, and he does not care because I mean this is just antithetical to everything that he believes. Yeah, for sure, he definitely takes advantage of the. Uh, the monarchy and their structure, but he's not necessarily at heart like a pure monarch or you know, definitely not like a you know murderous uh, ruler like uh, Daenerys has shown. Mm-hmm. And then, and this is this is a weird because uh, there were a lot of people saying you know like a lot of the actors were saying oh you need to watch first season. There's a ton of parallels between the first season and Sepso. Like for example, Arya's kind of watching you know up on the stage. It's not the exact same spot where her father was executed, but she's kind of looking and she sees, you know, Daenerys up there. And I like how she's standing like two feet away from one of the, um, the unsullied and he just doesn't, you know, notice her at all or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, and this is another, uh, ridiculous part is, uh, he, she just like appears like basically back backstage where John is. And I mean, she just, how, how fast is she? I mean, that's making me. See, I know some of the movement in this episode kind of confused me. Like when, John goes to see Daenerys and talk to her. Grey Worm is there, but he had just talked to Grey Worm and they walked past him. So I have no idea how he got there so fast. Yeah, that also I don't get. But yeah, so Arya's, you know, they're like, oh, sorry, Tyrion's going to die. And then John's, oh, actually, doesn't John goes to visit Tyrion in the prison? Because in uh, yeah. Grey Worm's like there and they're like basically, I don't care how John gets him to leave, but. 
And so, and then Tyrion's just like, you've basically tried to talk him into it. He's like, you've got to, you know, take her out before she can, you know, kill every, you know, person on the, on the entire continent. Yeah. And, you know, John's like, oh, I love her, which, okay, do you, John? Because you don't really ever show it in any way. Yeah, John tries to rationalize a little bit and everything, and you know, I, I, he says at one point, you know, oh, the war's over or whatever. And you know, Tyrion, being you know one of the smartest characters on the show, and and one that can you know be very direct and blunt, just says, you know, did that speech sound like someone who's done fighting? Yeah, John is an idiot because how could he not have heard her? I mean. Mm-hmm. I guess it was in Valerian for the most part, but I mean, she spoke some of it in the common tongue. So it's like, John is just, and so John's like, nope, sorry, I can't do it. And then eventually Tyrion, like, you know, again, being the, the most intelligent, one of the most intelligent characters, if not the most on the show goes, what about your sisters? I mean, do you think they're going to bend the knee? And I think that's ultimately what tips, tips it over in the balance of him wanting to go kill Daenerys instead of, you know, pardon me, let her, you know, continue her like spree or whatever. Yep. So then uh, he goes to go see Daenerys, and uh, this is all at the beginning of the episode, by the way, for those who haven't seen it, which, again, doesn't make sense. So if you haven't seen it, I, just delete this. I, I, we, we don't care for you to be in our Right, exactly. If you haven't, if you haven't, I don't, I don't understand why you're listening if you haven't seen I mean, do you just kind of, like, you want to be able to talk about the show at the water cooler? I mean, if so, I guess that's fine. But, you know, we're spoiling the entire thing, so. You know, we have a water cooler at my work, and I have never once had a conversation around it. Yeah, I don't think people really do that anymore. <laughs> I'm gonna try it tomorrow, though. I'm gonna wait till someone's getting water. I'm gonna rush over there and be like, "Hey, how's uh? <laughs> How'd you think? Of, what'd you think of Game of Thrones?" <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, so then he goes in, and then uh, Drogon is hidden under the snow for some reason. I don't know. What's What's interesting is my friend Matt and I both thought it was ash at first. Like in the previews, it looked like it was ash, but then it was clearly snow at a certain point. It was just kind of weird because. At first, I'm like, oh, my God, look at all that ash just blowing out of her. And it's like, oh, wait, it's, it's suddenly snowing again. Yeah, I just, is that how dragons sleep? Is it like, is he like a dog? Is the, burying you, himself? You would think he, I guess, it doesn't make any sense. It's just like, aha, there's a dragon here. Then Drogon kind of look, and there's like a weird, like, connection between the riders and their dragons, it seems like. Mm. So Drogon kind of knows something up, but he ultimately, I don't know if it's because he's a Targaryen or because he knows them, he lets John. Right. And then John goes in and talks to Daenerys, and like Daenerys is does a much better job of conveying that she, you know, loves John because you know she's known him for almost a month. Right. Exactly. But they are like in their early twenties, so I guess that makes a lot of sense in that respect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're like, you know, oh blah blah blah. They're talking, and then like uh, John's like, you know, kiss, gives her a deep kiss, and in the middle of it, he just stabs her like in the heart. Yeah. Or maybe this is something, which is weird because uh, this again, I think that just pisses me off about the show. Uh, the whole Azor like prophecy thing—they touch on it a couple times in the books. It's a huge thing, but it never comes to a conclusion. Is it important to the story? I have no idea. I mean, I I have to wait for the books, which is what George R. R. Martin basically said when interviewed about the finale. Mm-hmm. It's just like, why even bring that up in the like? Just like with the whole prophecy about um, Cersei being killed by a younger brother. I mean, I guess technically Jamie's weight killed her. Is that? <laughs> but I mean, it just it just makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. But also. Uh, also, I forgot to add that uh, Tyrion, before being in prison, all that went and confirmed that his brother and sister were. Yeah, yeah, he goes to the rubble and he sees the golden hand, and uh, you know, uncovers him, him out. has a has a cry. Uh, one of the more emotionally powerful scenes because again, Peter Dinklage is a fucking treasure. Yeah, 
And then, again, that's another, um, I mean, they wouldn't, you know, verify that. And, you know, they're like, oh, I forgot my brother was killed. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, shit. I, so, like, John, you know, stabs and kills her. And then, like, uh, then he's arrested by a gray worm and the rest of the ins- Yeah. And the, the dragon, Drogon, uh, kind of looks at him, goes and, and smells Daenerys, knows she's dead is obviously pissed off about it. I don't uh, how I don't know how intelligent they are. I guess they're fairly intelligent. Uh I thought he was going to kill John because, you know, he killed Daenerys, but instead he melts the Iron Throne, which was kind of cool. Yeah, but at the same time, uh again, I I can't really complain because there's this is a dragon. So, I mean, obviously the laws right. of Science and physics are out the window, but just being in the room with uh, with heat enough that's hot enough to melt fucking iron, you would just be dead. There'd be no oxygen. The heat alone would probably kill you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it does. And I, and I don't know if it avoids John because he's a Targaryen or because of the familiarity. I mean, obviously, he should know that he just murdered his, like, you know, mother or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rogan kind of flies around, and he comes back and grabs Daenerys and flies off to... Essos, maybe wherever they come from. I don't know. Somewhere east. That's basically uh, all they say. I wonder if because I don't know how intelligent the dragons are. I wonder if I mean, like, if this sounds really silly, and if it's stupid, just tell tell it tell me it because I'm still not a hundred percent familiar with everything in, in the show. But I mean, I wondered watching this. Did the dragon kind of know? Like, did the dragon sort of know? you know, yeah, she needed to be killed because that shit she made me do with all those people was fucked up. Yeah, I don't don't think they're that intelligent. I really don't get... They never really imply at any point that they're anything stronger than a dog's kind of intelligence if you're getting at that level. All right. And there seems to be like a weird psychic bond between the two. Gotcha. I I do like the idea of even the dragon being like, well, that was kind of messed up. (laughs) I mean, I'm pissed because it was my mom, but I know... I know you had to, John, so I'm just going to melt this throne. Yeah, and then mentally he's like, down with ma- the monarchy, as he like, melts it. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's pulling an Alex Stewart, that dragon. <laughs> 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 it's another shout-out to our friend. Who probably doesn't listen to this. No. Well, I tag him a lot of times in Facebook, and I think he's a Game of Thrones fan, so maybe he does. Yeah, well, shout-out if you, if you do. Um, yeah, again, this is another great uh, parallel. This is a really, a really good one between the first season. Because if you recall, uh, and this is a, a very important part of the whole story, is at one point when um, King King Robert died, uh, I think it was um, his brother Ridley who came up to uh, Ned Stark mm-hmm. and said, "Like, hey, you need to fucking go into their chambers and take them hostage." At this point, you really need to get control of the situation because if you don't, it'll spiral out of control because these Lannisters are fucking crazy, right? So Ned Stark, being the loyal and honorable man, uh, did not do that, which resulted in him ultimately being executed for, um, I don't know, trying a treason, I guess, something. Yeah. But this, John does the opposite. He actually does what Ned really should have done. I mean, Ned wasn't really going to kill Joffrey, but he was just going to hold them hostage you know, for long enough that would have really stabilized the region and kind of counterbalanced the power structure between the uh, Lannisters and the rest of the Seven Kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, John goes and he he kills her, and yeah, there's I mean obviously there's repercussions, but I mean he I think of how many people would have been saved if uh, um, Ned had just you know basically done what he should have done. I mean the, the whole War of the Five Kings would have happened. 
Yeah. I mean, there would have been a unified front against the White Walkers. They probably wouldn't have come down as far as they had, you know? Yeah. I mean, the Lannisters were just shit. I mean, they're just shit rulers. I mean, at least Cersei, at the very least, is just like insane or dumb or a combination of both. And she's certainly cruel. I mean, she multiple times cuts off her own, uh, you know, whatever to spite or whatever, I forget to say. Yeah, nose to spider face. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, but John, you know, and he, yeah, he goes to jail for it. And Grey Worm's obviously pissed because Grey Worm basically is like a guy with a huge army and nowhere to go or fight with it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he gets, so John gets, John gets arrested. Uh, then we go, it's, it's months later. Apparently, because yeah, I think I, I read somewhere it said two weeks later. I don't know how they determine that, but it's uh, sometimes it takes two weeks to travel. Sometimes it takes one day to travel between uh, the north and the kings. Yeah, but definitely time has passed, and uh, all the the noble people have have gathered, and Tyrion gets brought. They've assembled their crew. Yeah, and Tyrion gets uh, like uh, like in Breaking Two. With Turbo and uh, whatever that other guy's name was. Uh, Ozone. Yeah, there you go. We talked about that on an episode. Go listen to it. But yeah. never go back and listen to like the first three episodes because the audio is so bad. I haven't listened to any episode ever, so yeah. I couldn't tell you. Don't except go for what my wife listens to. Don't go back to the first three. I, it's embarrassing. But uh, Although the content's pretty good, but the, uh, the, the quality's not great. It's much better now. Anyway, so they, yeah, they bring Tyrion, Grey Worm brings Tyrion before them, and they're like, hey, you're supposed to bring Jon Snow, too. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> it's like, like, what if he had said, uh, you had said, uh, hey, come on. <laughs> like, he was an idiot, like, hey, grab Jon Snow, dick. But, uh, so, they, they, they're there to, you know, decide the fate of Jon Snow and Tyrion and what's going to happen. And Tyrion speaks up and says, you know, it's not for you to decide what happens to Jon Snow. And, you know, Grey Worm tells him to shut up, basically, that his he's talked enough. And Tyrion agrees that, yeah, he has. But it's still not for them to decide. It's for the king to decide. And, you know, they're all like, well, we don't have a king. And he says, you know, you're the most powerful people in the world. Pick one. So... They almost invent democracy. <laughs> yeah, that's, see, I, I felt that I really was almost cringeworthy at like when Sam, Samuel Tarley, who many people were wondering what he's doing there. Well, he's in the books especially, but in the show too. They, his father uh, is uh, Randall Tarley. He's really a powerful lord. Mm-hmm. So, which is weird because I mean, it's just John not in the Night's Watch anymore, or I'm sorry, Sam not in the Night's Watch anymore. That really doesn't make any sense because you're not supposed to ever leave the Night's Watch. Mm-hmm. But I mean, again, there's no king, so who's going to enforce it? Right. So, anyways, he's one of, the, and he's like, "Oh, let's uh, let's have the people act." And he was like, "Ah, everyone." I just thought it was like a kind of corny joke. It was yeah. obviously like you know, like a like a ha ha, like a you know, isn't this funny? You know, just for the sake of you know being a reference, which I don't really care for. Yeah, I agree. I'd like that was the one that was the, like there was some moments of lem- levity in a you know a pretty heavy episode that this was, but that was one of the ones where I just sort of cringed too, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. However, but, one of the the funniest moments and possibly the entire series comes up shortly after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're they're kind of saying you know okay I guess we can elect so and so, and then they're kind of like you know they're kind of sitting there like you know. It's, it's an interesting assortment of people there. There's, you know, like I said, Sam's there. The Starks are there, obviously. Um, 
not John, because as we mentioned, he's in uh, jail. Right. Um, it's a, couple, a few people I don't really know who they are, which I think is kind of makes sense because, you know, most of the people in the show are dead. Yeah. And also, and also another good part about that is uh, most of the bad people in the show are dead. So basically, you don't have anyone who's super offensively evil at this point. Mm-hmm. And you could argue that, I, again, I, I don't know her name. She's uh, she's in charge of the Iron Kingdom now. Theon's older. Yor, Yora? Yara yeah. Greyjoy. That's Yep. I mean, she's probably the worst of the lot. But even, she, I mean, the Ironborn basically kind of suck in the show. I mean, they're not really that badass, to be honest with you. So it's not like a huge threat. Right. But yes, so they they start to yeah yeah Jenry's there as well. I think Davos is also there. I don't remember. um, Shit, there's another person. I don't remember if they're there or not. But what I thought was hilarious was uh was uh, Robin from the Airy was there. Yeah, like you had seen him like five years. Like who the hell? I was looking. I'm like who the hell is that? And I saw his shirt and he had that. I'm like oh no, that's Robin. (laughs) Is that the guy that stands up? That's the one that uh, breastfeeds from his mother. Oh god! But no, no, he was like the young, the young kid there. The guy who stood oh, okay. up was Edmund, was Edmund Tully, and that is one of the funniest scenes in the entire series. Absolutely. So he, so there. Do, do you remember from the earlier season when they when they had him on there? Like, yeah. They consistently showed like when he like when his father is like being floated on the river, he tries to shoot it with arrows, but he just cannot hit it. For- yeah. Like he's basically a fuck up every time they show him. He's like the show's one of the show's fuck ups is Edmund Tully. So he stands up because they're all looking around, like you know who who would we pick to be the king? And he stands up and starts trying to deliver this this speech about you know how he's he's a veteran of wars, but he's you know learned statescraft and stuff like that. And I think and he's been a prisoner of wars is basically his experience. And Sansa just I did Sansa right. She just goes yeah. sit down. <laughs> yeah, that is holy. I love that moment. That was the funniest thing ever. And they just it- they just stare at him basically, and then he just kind of sighs and sits down. Yeah. Because just like he's the least qualified for the position by far. And Satyrian's the one that you know suggests that Bronn be the the ruler, and he says, you know, I know you don't want it, but you know you you know are qualified basically and and you know they make the argument that he can't have kids and he says good because you know royal kids they they get us in a lot of trouble so every time someone dies we'll elect a new one you know no more kings by birth we'll just elect a new ruler every time you know one of them dies which does seem like a you know it's sort of a compromise. Between, I mean, it's a step in the right direction for sure. Yeah, it's yeah, it's sort of a compromise between the you know like just blood rule and um, and democracy. But it de- definitely seems like you said like it's a step in the right direction. I mean, it's it's an improvement on the current system because they already rule for life anyway. So I mean, it's just basically adding the extra component of oh wait, well, I mean, it's just like they say the lords will elect the new one, but still that's it's still better than you know like just oh your son is uh, now the king. Yeah, and I, I like that. I like that compromise. It makes sense for the characters. It makes sense for, you know, the world that they live in. Uh, it also makes sense that they wouldn't just let, you know, the common folk vote. Although, like you said, I, I don't really love that joke. But I, I and it, it pales in comparison to the other joke, like you said, with them telling him to to sit down because it comes right after that joke. But um, 
but yeah, I it makes sense uh, in every aspect of why they would would choose this, and it's in the time period that well, not time period, but in the the climate that they're living in, which is sort of you know they live like our past was. Uh, it makes it makes sense of sure. doing that. So but yeah, so uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, so Bron agrees that he'll be the king, and then uh, they cut to this. And then this is another great scene. But I felt it was almost like too comedic. Mm-hmm. They cut to the uh, the meeting room where they have the um, you know the council meetings. So Tyrion, of course, gets there early, like he did previously when he was the hand. And he kind of slightly tilts all the all the chairs so that people will be kind of naturally inclined to listen to him. Yep. Which is you know perfect because that's a perfect Tyrion thing. And so the the uh, again they assemble their crew and um, it's a you know a nice fun surprise. Each I mean it's each person is like a, a joy to see. It's like Bron shows up. He's the uh, master of coin, which is mm-hmm. hilarious. Yeah. But I mean Bron. I mean he's 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 one of my favorite characters. I think we should probably at the end of this we'll talk about our favorite characters and episodes and such if you want. Sure. Yeah, Bron is always a favorite. He's the master of coin. Uh, Davos shows up. He's the master of ships, which makes perfect sense because he's the greatest smuggler in the realm. So, I mean, who would be a better master to prevent smuggling than, you know, the best smuggler? Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Sam shows up. He's the maester, uh, which that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, he, he, you have to trade for a long time to be a maester, but he's just suddenly the maester. I don't know. Yeah, I don't get it, but there he is. Yeah, I don't. And then wasn't there someone else? Or am I mistaken? Yeah, Brienne of Tarth, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. She, she she's one. Of, oh yeah, there's a scene too where she was. Uh, and again, in the books, this is a big thing, but they have like a big registry where all the knights basically write about you know the other knights. Mm-hmm. And so she adds, she finishes uh, Jamie's uh, you know his chapter. It was kind of quick, so I didn't see what all she wrote. But honestly, I don't care that much, so I'm not even going to bother going out of my way to find out what it was. Right. I like just wasn't really that invested in either of the characters. So I, let's say there's a lot of characters I don't like, but I mean, I there's not a bad actor on the show. Everybody is very good. Yeah, I agree. But well, uh, but yeah, yeah, she did that as well. It's funny. Um, real quick, Davos has uh, has another like quick kind of funny line when uh, in that in that previous scene where they're voting and they all vote uh, Bron for the the king. And so uh, they go to Davos, and Davos says, "I'm not sure I get a vote, but I vote high." Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure who who Davos would be really representing, to be honest with you. Right. I mean, he, was, he wasn't a lord; he was always just the Onion Knight. And then they gave again. This doesn't make sense. Jinry's there, um, but he's like I, assuming he's in charge of Dragonstone. But that was something that Cersei. So they just. Well, Cersei said so, and even though she was insane and murdered, you know, countless people, we have to go by what she said. Right. <laughs> I don't know why they would just, you know, re just say, you know what, Davos, you're you're in charge of Dragonstone, you're the best qualified person for it. Yep. Yeah, and then after that, you know, it, it ends. Uh, Arya is going uh, west to see what's out west. Um, Sansa. Oh yeah, Sansa actually made like a last minute, like you know, power move where she cut off the north from the rest of the realm. Yeah. And so she's like the sole ruler of the north. Yeah, she wants to be she wants it to be independent like it used to be, and no one really has a problem with that. Yeah, no one really cares at this point because like, who wants to rebuild the fucking wall? Right. Um, but yeah, then then so they they're at the council. They all meet up. They kind of like, and then like a broad shows up and they like, okay, uh, he's like, well, I think I'm just gonna wander off and you know do whatever it is I do. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess, you know, Tyrion, that, which is great because that's like perfect because Tyrion's not the king, but he's like, you know, he, he basically is the king with the plot. I mean, he's he's in his perfect role, which is the hand of the king, which he was in like the second season, I believe. Like, yep. he's he's a master of that position. Yep, I agree. He's like, and he's, uh, a, and he's for all intents and purposes, he's ruling, you know, he's the ruler because Bran, Bran does not care. Right, exactly. But, um, yeah, and, and, you know, Bran can be there to make, you know, certain decisions and stuff like that. But like you said, but Tyrion has most of the power. Like, he's going to listen to Tyrion most of the time. And definitely the day-to-day operations are well under uh, Tyrion's thumb. Yep. And again, there's there's not a person... I mean, his biggest opponent on the council at this point is probably Bran, but they were friends a long time ago. And now that Cersei's out of the picture, I'm sure they could be friends again. Yeah. I mean, what's, what they bonded over that whorehouse thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And what's 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 notable too is uh, the Master of War isn't present. They have an elected one, mm-hmm. and there's not a Master of Whispers either. So I mean, maybe they're just never going to fill those positions. I wouldn't think they would. I mean, Tyrion, you know, would have filled them by now if he wanted to. Yeah, that was that was sort of my they they sort of mention it that you know they have to find people to do that. But I agree. I kind of think that those two positions sort of represent the old world, and they want to. You know they want to break the wheel, like like she was talking about. They want yeah. to uh, to make you know a new world, and I think going ahead, which is those interesting because yeah, go because ahead. in a way, Daenerys did for sure you know fulfill her goal because the wheel wheel, if it was in fact uh, what you know people think it is that it was the cycle of you know sons and daughters and stuff, you know, which I I don't know. I think I don't really know if that's what Daenerys was talking about because clearly she believed in that because her entire goal was, oh wait, I'm the daughter of this guy. I should be in charge. So that can't be exactly the wheel she was talking about, but it's definitely there's a new world for sure now. Yeah. I think she was kind of talking about the cycle of people being elected king and then people being, you know, like trying to like overthrow them and like kill them, take it over. Like, you know, the... yeah, but, but that's what she was doing. Yeah, that's true. It is exactly what she was doing. And it's the same thing. She's like, Oh, I have this noble heritage. You know, I'm special. My dad was somebody. I mean, that's like the shittiest attitude to have, but that's right. That's every character in the show is like, well, I, my father was so it's like, who cares? You're incompetent. Like look at Robin Aaron. He's sucking his mother's tits at like fucking 10 years. Yeah, no. Kidding. But he's in charge, and he has a vote. <laughs> That's my issue uh, in uh, in reality. Too many people have the right to vote. Yeah, I oh, I agree. I wish that uh, people always talk about uh, get out and vote. More people should vote. No, fewer people should vote. Yeah, maybe I, I feel maybe there should be some sort of obviously non-biased type test to uh, be a mo- like you know a citizen type test, and not like you know obviously the ones were used during the. Jim Crow period and that sort of thing where it would be unequal tests to the same people, you know, right. or to different people. I mean, just some competence should should be required. I agree. I really do. Because if that were the case, we'd be like a lot of European countries are like, you know, the that the president is like the most boring job there is. Like no one cares because it's just such a drab, you know, like thing. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And that's, that's really how, how it should be, honestly. Oh. More politics on massive politics. Right. Right. But, um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I like the episode. I mean, I, I felt it was rushed, but I mean, they basically paid themselves into a corner at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the, ser- the series as a whole. I, I, I do think the last season was the weakest for sure, which it always sucks. When, uh, I mean, it's nice to see a show come back from like a kind of a dip in like, you know, quality. Mm-hmm. But they just kind of like, you know, made you think that if there was like a ninth season, you might not even want to watch it. 
Yeah, I, uh, I I agree. The this season was probably the weakest. Uh, I haven't, I haven't, I've watched every season. I haven't watched every episode of every season yet. I think I have three episodes left. I think three or two episodes left to watch. So I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty much caught up. But yeah, I think that that this is probably the weakest of the seasons. But this last episode, I, I know a lot of people are pissed off about it and everything. Or pissed off at the season as a whole. I think that's probably more more accurate. And like you said, it was definitely rushed. And this last episode felt rushed too. But I thought it was... A, I was satisfied with the conclusion. I thought it was a satisfying conclusion to the storylines and, and the series. And I forgot about Arya. Arya going out west. That makes perfect sense for her character too. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, we can't forget that uh, John. Um, and this makes no sense because he goes back to the Night's Watch. But now that the the fucking uh, White Walkers are all dead, what are they watching against? They're friends with the Wildling. Yeah, I don't know. They're going out at the, that last scene of him is they're going out into the the, the wastes, you know, the w- wilderness and everything. Yeah, and like, what are you doing? Many pets, ghosts, of course. Right, and it's like, yeah, what do you what are you looking for? Because. You know, you pretty much you know the people that live in this place, and all the. Hey, remember when your little sister? Remember when your little sister killed all the uh, bad guys, and you were right there? Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it's uh, that that really doesn't make a lot of sense either. I agree. Yeah, they they made a big point that they won the wildlings over. I mean, they're fighting with them now. So Mm -hmm. I again, I don't. Oh no, we would uh, we would be disrespectful if we didn't mention that Grey Worm and all those people uh, went. to where Masandi, Masandi, correct pronunciation, I might add, mm-hmm. went to, uh, you know, when she described, you know, that one sentence where she talked about how she lived in this peaceful island and, like, you know, all these people invaded. Mm-hmm. So they're going there. But now that I think about it, weren't all those people enslaved and, like, kidnapped? So what are they? There's no one there. Yeah. I Maybe that's just where they're going to make their kingdom, I guess. I don't know. And, and I mean, they, they were actually offered a place in the Seven Kingdoms, which is kind of an interesting idea. But, I mean, it'd be like a one-generation thing because they can't reproduce. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. you know. But I liked the show uh, a lot. Uh, the show as a whole I thought was very good. Um, and like yeah, I said... I'm not, I'm, sure if I put it my, I'm not sure if I'd be in my top five of all shows of all times. Though at certain points it was definitely within the running. Yeah. Um, but it'd definitely be top ten. Like, I mean, I think my favorite show still is uh, Breaking Bad, and then second is The Wire. But then third, like The Shield is a really good show. I don't know if you watch that. No, someone else told me... That I need to watch the Shield too. Maybe we'll. Yeah, it's on, it's, maybe it's on we'll Hulu if you have it. But yeah, we could. If you want to go through the Shield instead of Narcos, we could do that too. Because it, do you have Hulu? Yes, it's on there. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, someone else was telling me. I I'd only heard a little bit about the show, but I didn't. I've never seen it, and I've never like I was aware it existed, and and that Michael Chiklis was in it, and that's basically it. I know nothing else about it. Yeah, it's really good. In fact. um, like I mean, every season's good, but there's this one season. I think it's a third season mm-hmm. with Glenn Close and uh, Anthony Anderson. They're like the se- you know they're they're guests for the season. Oh, that is an amazing season of television. Like there's one episode where I, or I can't really spoil it, but it's like wow, it's one of the most intense like things you'll ever see. Yeah, maybe we'll do that next. I don't know. Maybe we'll do Narcos and maybe do the Shield. I don't know. We'll do yeah, we'll do we'll something. I like doing this, doing the like the series of of shows. I like doing that. Yeah, it makes sense to me, I think. Because people can always, you know, if 
the years because I mean people are still just watching Breaking Bad for the first time, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but yeah, eventually maybe we'll get to Breaking Bad. Have you've watched that, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And when Better so, Call Saul comes back, we can do that week by week. Yeah. Have Have you seen The Wire? No, I need to see that one that's too. A, that's an amazing show. Yeah, that's a really good show too. Um. So yeah, my what, what's your favorite episode of the whole uh, whole series? Do you think? Oh wow, that is a tough one. Um, let me, let me, let me give you my, my favorite characters and, or my, and then I'll, and then I'll think about my, my favorite episode. Um, but I like, I like Braun a lot. Um, just as like, I, his, his attitude is the best, like he's, he can be, he can be funny and he can be threatening, but in that kind of like charming, threatening way, you know? Yeah, like how he's he's always honest. Like his character is never like you know lying. He's never you know. I mean, in mm-hmm. fighting, he might be a little tricky and that sort of thing, but he's never like you know he's he's not deceptive. He's not like the rest of the characters. He's like brutally honest compared to most of. The- yep, absolutely. So he's he's definitely one of my favorite characters. I like Davos a lot, um, and I like uh, Tyrion obviously a lot. He's he's definitely one of my favorite characters, and I really I really liked Jamie a lot too. Uh, Lannister, he's the the one Lannister that I kind of um, you know really like. I I liked he he had maybe the most developed or one of the most developed story arcs of or character arcs of any of the characters on the show, and I liked I liked watching that. I liked watching his his evolution and, and everything and um. I you know his, like we talked about I didn't love his death scene but I kind of got his I kind of got character wise why he would go back to to Cersei uh but I just didn't like the way that that all kind of ended but he was definitely one of my my favorite characters what about you what are, what are your favorite characters um yeah Dot, I really like Littlefinger a lot like I liked uh oh, you yeah. know he's an interesting character you know and he was even though I didn't like the voice that was in some I really liked the um you know, the actor. He did a really good job of uh, playing him. Mm-hmm. Um Ned Stark was a really good character too. I mean, even though he was only there for a season. Yeah, yeah. Sean being that yeah, he was good too. Yeah, I mean Tyrion's an obvious. I mean, it, it's it, he's on a completely different level than the rest, I would even say. You know, the character and the actor are just like amazing for Tyrion. Mm-hmm. Um, but Davos has just always has been my favorite for a long time now, probably like five seasons or so. I'm just so he's just I like him. He's pragmatic, he's you know, fun, he's uh, you know, he's interesting, he's smart. I just like he's my for a second when uh, Tyrion was talking about like you know, the best person for the throne, I, I thought he was gonna say Davos and I was so happy, but it was not. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, let's see. Favorite episodes, one of my favorite episodes was I think it was I think it was just called Hard Home. I think that's what it's called, right? Oh yeah, is that the one where they go to the north? Yeah. And there's a Yep. Yeah, that's the one where they go they go to the north and um I'm trying to think uh it's that wilding settlement that they go to. And uh Tormid's there and um you know it's just like fucking chaos and and terror it's one of the like you said before the show does horror really well and this is kind of uh like a blend of the 
the action that the show can do and like the horror that it can do. So I, I liked that episode a lot. That's one of the ones that um that really made an impression on me. Obviously that that Battle of the Bastards episode was really good. Yeah, that that's my favorite episode. I watched it I watched just like the final scene. I mean, the whole episode, I, I couldn't tell you how good it is, but the battle scene in that is amazing. And like yeah. oh, I just love when he goes and just beats the shit out of uh, Ramsey Bolton. It's just like and then Sansa just lets his dog. Oh, that's that's. I love that episode. It's easily my favorite. There's one. There's one in uh, season two that's really good too. I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's towards the end of season I, two. Um, as I, I as I must mention constantly, I, I I'm a reader of the books as well, so all like the big like you know moments were weren't really like a shock for me, you know, like mm-hmm. the red wedding or the um or you know the the wedding with a uh, Joffrey where he chokes to death, or even where right. the um mountain crushes uh, the red viper's uh, skull. I mean, I can't ima- I can only imagine how amazing it would be if I didn't know they were coming up. And like from my wife's reaction, who didn't read the books, I'm just like I. I it was just priceless sometimes. Like when Joffrey dies, she's like, just like so shocked and confused, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. I mean, there are definitely, I mean, I think if I hadn't read the books, I would have enjoyed the series a bit more. Yeah. Blackwater. Yeah, that, that's what it's called. Oh, Blackwater. No. Oh yeah. Hard home is uh, yeah. Blackwater is a really good episode. I like that one. Yeah. That one's, that one's really good too. Um, and you know, that's, uh, Tyrion kind of takes, center stage in that one uh against stannis and um you know that's that's a really impressive episode too Um, from a technical standpoint all these episodes are fantastic yeah there's a lot of great direction as we mentioned great acting pretty much all across the board there's moments like i say john and Daenerys' like relationship doesn't seem very real to me other than like obviously the physical contact and right i don't know because they're related that is good for them because they're targaryens you're right. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, another, another. I, I, I would uh, need to mention too. Another character I really enjoyed was the Red Viper. He was just like mm-hmm. fun. Pedro Pascal, who was in Narcos, uh, d- did a really good job of playing him. You know, it was like kind of like nice balance between playful and dead. Yep. And the fight between him and the mountain is what, probably another one of the greatest moments on the show. It's just really amazing. You know, the fighting, and then obviously the crushing defeat is just like wow. And then you know Peter Dinklage being great, falling to the ground, just the complete absolute look of defeat on his face. Yeah, I actually think that episode was a good one too because that's where they had the trial. I think it's the same episode. Maybe it was the one before though. Oh yeah, that was good too with the uh, you know choose your champion and and stuff. Yeah, I liked that one yeah. too. Oh, uh, so that was Game of Thrones, and uh, this is our episode for the day. So, uh, as always, you can find us anywhere you can find things. Uh, you know, come and talk to us on Twitter. Uh, at Retro Late Fee is out there if you guys want to talk about Retro Late Fee with us as well. Uh, at Massive Late Fee on Twitter, Massive Late Fee Facebook, um, uh, MySpace, uh, every Instagram too. We have an Instagram. I do stuff sometimes on it, not all the time because I don't really know how Instagram works. But uh, we're we're at all those places, and you can email the show if you want at Massive Late Fee or at Massive Late Fee at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, we will see you next week. Uh, Talk to you later. Bye. See you next time.